Welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast, where two generations of owls, Michael the dad, me, and Hank the son, discuss the latest in movies, plays, books, video games, and more. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Owls on Culture podcast. I'm your co-host, Michael Owl, and I am here with... Hank Owl. Hank Owl, what are we talking about today? Today on the podcast, we're continuing our discussion of WandaVision with episode 8. We're so close to the end. But before that, I have a question to ask you. I have an answer for you. How do you feel about Pixar? I love Pixar. Thank you for asking. Well, you should be excited to hear... I don't know what I'm doing. You should be (laughs) excited to hear... To watch the trailer and poster that we got this week for Luca, which is the next Pixar movie coming out around June 18th. That's pretty exciting. What is uh? What did you think of the trailer? Honestly, I felt... I mean, it looked good. I'm still a little hesitant, although uh, Pixar has not disappointed before. I think I always am with, like, animated movies. Maybe it's, like, the teenagerness of me, but I feel like I need to, like... Someone needs to tell me the water's warm before I can safely, <laughs> before I can feel, not feel self-conscious when saying I'm excited to see a children's movie. Well, I think um, it was interesting because I'm going through a little bit of a transition on that myself because I realized when it said, like, ah, from the makers of Coco, that I never saw Coco. And I also never saw Soul as of yet. And I think this seems crazy because when, you know, you were younger, we would, of course, see all of them. You know, sometimes you would go with your grandmother, Marsha, but uh, I generally still saw them. And now I feel like I say I love Pixar, but I haven't. I think the Inside Out was the last one I saw in a theater. Man, there's been a while. I, a, yeah, a while I know. Then. So I would still say I generally like them, but um, I'm not supporting them like I should. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Because I, I think I did look up all Pixar movies, and I think there's only uh, maybe one I haven't seen, which is Onward. Which came out in early 2020. Oh, really? I don't, I don't even remember that. Oh, I might. I have seen a little bit of A Bug's Life, but I don't remember anything from A Bug's Life. Has their prestige gone down, like in the industry, or like with fans oh, no, or critics, or do people still do people still love Pixar? I don't think so. It's still, maybe it's just because I'm in different feeds now on like social media. But like, there used to be a lot of excitement for Pixar that maybe I don't see a lot. But I think critical reception definitely hasn't gone down. I mean, Coco won. Best picture that you best best picture best animated feature that year. Inside Out is probably going to win best animated feature this year. Just you can't account for Wolf Walkers. Wait, what? Inside Out came out this year. Soul. Sorry, uh, I was Soul. Like, <laughs> that's how confused I was. Though I was like, I, that was a legitimate question. I was like, wait a second, what was that? Maybe I missed it. Said the wrong name earlier. But okay, I got you. Soul. Yeah, Soul is probably going to win best animated feature this year. Though you can't account for Wolf Walkers. Which is kind of the only one in major contention against Yeah, it. I've heard some good things about that movie, but I haven't seen it. Either have I. Well, and I, I have seen Soul and Coco, and they are both very good. So, so I, I imagine... Is Luca about the, the Godfather character, Luca Brasi? Yes. Yes, he is. I'm, he's so... I, I believe he's deserved his own thing for a long time now. I'm glad that they're doing this. Yes. No, it is actually about on the Italian Riviera... An unlikely but strong friendship goes between a human being and a sea monster disguised as a human. Although, from the trailer, it looked like they were both sea monsters disguised as humans. But well, there's three of them, wrong. too. I thought it was like there's three kids. There were three kids. And I thought all three of them were 
No, two, I would call them fish. Two of them, are, <laughs> two of them are fishy things. One of them, I think, is not fishy. A fishy thing. I feel like you, you can, if you're a fish when you're wet and you're a human when you're on dry land, that that's not an underdog. That's like awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's not. Not if they're trying to kill fish people. That's true. There are a lot of fish in the world. Do you know that? <laughs> there are a lot of fish in the world. I just thought I'd bring that up for you. <laughs> okay. Okay. This movie is supposed to be directed by Enrico Casarosa, and I believe this is his first film. His first, or yeah, I think this is his theatrical directorial debut. And I don't want to be, uh, whatever, presumptuous, but that name sounds like it might be Italian, which makes me very happy. Yes. Because I was worried that this would just be... An American's version of what life would be like in Italy. Because that looks like it takes place in Italy, right? Yes. Cool. Probably along the coast. Yes. The Riviera, I guess. Because <laughs> you said that earlier. <laughs> yes, but he's worked. It feels. It looks like he's worked at Pixar for a long time. That's awesome. Well, very, very cool. It's also supposed to be written by Jesse Andrews <laughs> and Mike Jones. They were supposed to write it. Who ended up? Who did end up writing it? Oh yeah, I guess <laughs> I, I, that's a poor word. That's a dad joke. Wow. <laughs> They, it is written by Jesse Andrews and Mike Jones. Mike Jones did the story for Soul, but I think he's also worked at Pixar for a while. And Jesse Andrews, I think this may be his first Pixar thing. Pixar kind of seems like an ideal place to work. I'm sure it's got some It does. I haven't, like, heard, <laughs> I haven't heard really anything bad about it. Yeah, I think Creativity, Inc. was a book that one of the guys that started Pixar wrote. It was pretty fantastic and about how their, their culture is. Yes. Okay, but the cast members are going to be Jacob Tremblay. Who is that? Uh, child actor, been a ton of things. Probably, just thinking of child actors, I remember the name of. He may be the most fam- famous child actor working right now. Oh, well. He was, uh, probably shouldn't have said that, and then I struggled to find something he's done. <laughs> um, he was in the movie Good Boys last year, okay. which I thought was pretty funny. It wasn't great. Uh, Wonder. He was the main character in Wonder. Okay, people that? love that movie. And um, he was the kid in Room. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. I can't, how can we didn't see that? That was supposed to be really good. Of course, you were younger then. Probably would not have been appropriate. It probably would have been traumatizing, actually. <laughs> he was, he was uh, kid number four in the TV movie of Donald Trump's The Art of the Deal. No way. So, oh, that's cool. That's cool. He outshone... Kid number three and five by a lot. Yes, <laughs> yes, he, yes, he did. But he's been in a lot of stuff. I don't. Uh, we didn't see the newest, the newest Predator movie, but he was in that. Okay. Apparently, that wasn't supposed to be very good. No, but Predator Five is going to feature <laughs> a Native American uh, female warrior, a Comanche. Well, that's pretty great. Yeah, isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. Oh, and he voices uh, Robin. And the Harley Quinn TV show that we should watch but haven't. We should watch. We keep that'd be fun to watch. I've seen clips of it and it's quite funny. Yeah, it looks hilarious. Well, very cool. Okay. Oh, and I we we got cut up on Jacob Tremblay. Other members of the cast include Maya Rudolph. She's funny. Jack Dylan Grazer. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is. I have no comment. <laughs> Jim Gaffigan. We know he's funny. Emma Berman. Nope. Marco Braselli. Cool. And Xavier Raimondo. Awesome. I'm now officially excited about this, actually. Yeah, and we don't have too long to wait. It's June 18th. We're recording this February 28th. Do you think we'll see it in a theater? Probably not, though one can hope. One can hope. 
Yes. Hopefully, I really hope everything's all all done by the summer. I don't really want to go back to real school, so I'm hoping like the last day of school, like COVID's fixed. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, all do- solved. Doctor Fauci snaps his hand, and everyone is immediately vaccinated. That would be wonderful. I like that idea, but I, I don't think that'll be the case. So we can have virtual schooling for the rest of the school year, and then fun during the summer. Your lips to Fauci's ears. I like it. Yes. It's really Fauci's decision. He could, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he could do it if he wants to. He just haven't, hasn't done well, it yet. Well, yeah, he has, still has to collect all the stones. He <laughs> still has to collect all the, <laughs> all the infinity masks. That's right. <laughs> well, what is our main topic today? Our main topic today is on WandaVision. Spoilers. Spoilers. Discussion. We're going to be talking be spoilers. about the specific episode. And spoiling details of the episode and spoiling details of the show during speculation for the next episode. Spoilers. <laughs> so, what did you think? Oh, the episode was titled... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wait your turn. <laughs> the episode was titled Previously On. It was directed by Matt Shackman, who's the series director. It was written by Laura Donnie. The television series WandaVision is created by Jack Schaefer. The character of Wanda Maximoff is created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And the character of Vision is created by Roy Thomas and John Buscema. Fun. Fun. What did you think of the episode? I liked it a lot. Um, so this was the first episode, and I think I can say this, I think this makes sense, where they're really, I mean, other than the fact that we're going back to flashbacks, and there's not, there wasn't like a meta TV tie-in, correct? There was not. There was not a commercial in this episode, and, the, and when the episode ended, it did not go like, it did not do the t- little television thing they've been doing. Right, so I guess we are officially officially done with that. Most likely, maybe I don't can't think of maybe they can think of a cool way to pull that off for the final episode. But it, it seems like we're done with that. But we did get an explanation of her love of these television shows and why, when she's uh, creating this new world, why they're such a big important part because they brought her a lot of comfort in very traumatic situations. So that was kind of cool to see. You know, I mean, we kind of figured that right, but it was nice to see that played out. So I really liked that part. I really liked the beginning. Uh, with the flashback to Agatha's kind of origin story somewhat. You know, she's uh, in a coven in Salem, and she either learned some things intentionally or unintentionally. It's a little bit unclear, uh, but probably intentionally. Uh, And I thought that scene was cool. And as much as, you know, many people have commented on being tired of the, you know, flashes of light fighting each other for power you know when people do magic spells uh i thought it worked here with that i liked the pretty purple looked cool against the blue and so that was kind of fun i dug that and i remember you may be saying off uh microphone that you you were not quite as big of a fan as that is that no, still the case that is definitely still the case. <laughs> i don't know it's weird with thinking about um like magic and different media and how like the harry potter like Avada Kedavra, the Harry Potter made up words don't bother me as much as like the the Latin spell casting. Like it made me groan like every single time it was said. Yeah, I wonder why that is, because that's that's been a trope for a long, long time. And I that's th- maybe why it makes me uh, right. groan so much. Um What about the color what about the color lights? Does that bother you? I don't now? mind the color lights. Okay, I wonder uh, somebody who, the next I, I'm sure there are other ways to do that and they've then I'm just not aware of them. But also, I'm sure somebody's going to come up with a, a different new way to do that. And that'll, that'll be kind of cool. I'm ready for that, too. Yes, but I, I really I don't know why I didn't like the beginning. 
of it. I don't know. It just felt weird to me that the Agatha kind of origin. Yeah, I, I thought it was, I, I kind of liked it. Um, and I also liked then kind of, so, okay, so she's a, a witch, a real witch. And then we are, we go straight into uh, Wanda being in the lair, I guess, the basement of uh, Agatha's place. And I like the whole, like, she doesn't have her power because Agatha used real witch stuff and put runes on the room. So it's only, I thought that was really cool. Commenting on that, I think they did a really good job of kind of like magic exposition. Because like when she was explaining the runes, like, 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 how do you not know this? It's the fundamentals. I kind of like that. They kind of like brushed over what could have been just like, and this is how we do magic. There are runes and yeah, like it was, it was, uh, it was dialogue that informed, uh, ridiculed, and also showed character, which is what you know dialogue is supposed to kind of do more than just one thing, really. That was this whole episode is basically exposition, right? Yes, but like done in a really well, you know, uh, nicely way. I think uh, I liked the the transitions and the flashbacks. I liked the information and the moments they chose to show. You know, they were helpful. I like that we kind of see like what Agatha wants. She's trying to find the mystery of how did. Wanted to accumulate this power and pull this thing off. So there's probably also more to that. She wants to know how to do the power so she can do something, probably. A more villainous endgame for her than knowledge, probably. No, my guess is she probably wants to just kind of, I don't know, world peace, uh, end hunger. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that's it? No, I don't. I, so that brings me back the flashback. I do love that line where she was like, I can be good. You know, and her mom's like, no. No, you can't. <laughs> no. So I wonder if she actually can or she's just been, you know, just in her nature. Do you think she's a mythical uh, witch or is she just like a run-of-the-mill, not run-of-the-mill, she's clearly I, more powerful than other witches. But. I think she probably is, or at least like more powerful because, I mean, everyone else's wiggly-woos were blue and her wiggly-woos were purple, <laughs> yeah. so something's got to be going on it's like there. like a green lantern, yellow lantern, nemesis type thing and different colors battling. Yes. I'm here for that. Oh, Twitter word. Don't use yeah. the Twitter phrase. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I this episode was, I think, definitely my favorite. Oh, nice. For the show. I this episode was so like emotionally compelling for me. Like it's kind of all the parts I've liked about the show previously. Because I've talked before about how like the characters on the outside, I don't really care about them. As much like I, I generally like them, but I don't really care about them. And I do care about Wanda and Vision. And this episode was almost entirely Wanda. And I just, I don't know what they did when creating her character and educating us more about her character. I think they did it really well and was really like emotionally affecting. And that's kind of the response we're seeing in this episode. Are there any a lot of people moments in particular that you really liked? I don't know. I think it's just like generally like the loss and the grief i think elizabeth olsen does a really good job of showing that i mean kind of show how the sitcoms give comfort and just like how you know wanda would have fell in love with vision it's just i don't i think they do a really good job of creating that character i love i mean not creating that character the creator existed but making the character more interesting than i think she was before yeah, I hear that. I agree 100%. I loved the moment when they're in the like the compound and they're watching, um, what's the Brian Cranston show, Malcolm in the Middle. 
and you know there's a prat fall where uh you know the building the shed or whatever collapses on him and vision makes a comment like oh it'd be funny because he's grievously hurt and she's like no like it's not that kind of show like and i just thought it was a great response because it really is points out wonderfully that as an audience member you know knowing what genre you're in lets you know how seriously or how to take something that happens within that show because you put that same thing action in you know a really dark show like ozark like, yeah, the, the dude is messed up. <laughs> you know, he's not going to recover from that. I just thought that was a beautiful moment and why, you know, why, you know, some sitcoms and some like light fluff kind of TV entertainment can be very comforting and necessary and good. You know, I thought that it, I thought it was a cool moment. Yes, I really liked that first flashback when they're watching uh, the Dick Van Dyke show. Right. So it's that whole moment. The, the child actors are so good, too. That yeah. They're really, really incredible. Yeah, it's worth their uh, psychological torture that they'll have as a grown-ups uh, <laughs> to entertain being, us now. I hope. Kidding, of course. I'm sure they're going to be fine. I hope when they're uh, addicted to drugs and Hollywood, they they look back at how positive it was received. Exactly. All all worth it. Uh, no, I did too. I like the boom, the explosion. Even though we know, you know, we knew we know what's going on from Age of Ultron, right? They've had all this story about being under the bed and waiting for that Stark bomb to blow up. Uh, but it not blowing up for two days. So we know this is out there and happening, but they, they so got us into the scene that when they do explode uh, the thing, like it was surprising, you know? Because also you don't know, I guess, if they're going to show that later or something like that. But it's cool. I love the under the bed moment where she reaches out and, you know, like the David Dye show was all a dream and she's, you know, using, I guess, what Agatha called like a, I don't know. Probability. A probability hex, yeah. So making it where effectively making where the bomb didn't blow up. You know, that's that was really cool. That was new information. That's a new spin on, you know, old information, I guess. Yeah, and I guess what is the new thing that is introduced in this episode is that Wanda one is the Scarlet Witch, and that means I guess in the context of the show, in the context of the MCU, that she's had her powers since she was born, besides what was previously thought of, where she got her powers from uh, the experimentation from the guy I'm forgetting the name of at the beginning of Age of Ultron. Right. Does this mean Pietro had his powers too? That's the question people are asking. Like, So does he have his powers from the beginning, or did he actually just get his powers from the Mind Stone? Yeah. Or did she do something to make him survive the Mind Stone? Because I remember part of Age of Ultron was they were the only two that made it through the process. Oh, yeah. That's cool. And it was interesting um, that in the TV recap of the scene where she's, you know, in, in the room with the Mind Stone and the Scepter, that on the, the TV screen is like, they, you know, rewind that. You know, they can't see. It's blocked out uh, what actually happened. You know, we get to see it as viewers from her perspective, kind of. That was And that was beautiful and cool. And I love those special yeah, effects. That was si- awesome. The silhouette of like her in full costume. Yeah. That's just cool. I hope we get to see that later. Yeah, me too. I thought that was really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, I also I wonder. Hopefully, we'll get some Pietro. Oh, that also reminds me. Uh, Pietro. I, I thought that line was great. No, was, I, I think when you, <laughs> when you were re-watching this episode, I think you laughed audibly at that. <laughs> I did. I thought that was funny. Both times. I saw it. <laughs> yeah, so that kind of just shows that, I guess, one, that Pietro is... I mean, we did learn a lot from this episode. It's, yeah. it's stuff we previously, you know, suspected that this is all a 
creation of Wanda's. But one, like some theories were disproven that, or I guess not even theories. We had the director actually say this and it ended up not being the case because he's terrible. Uh, that it's not like a resurrected Vision's dead body. It's just a new being. Yeah, so uh, th- back in whatever episode that was where he says, yeah, Wanda came into the facility and stole Vision body. It's clear that's a lie. So he's even more evil director than we thought. And was there videotape around that with that? Or did they use a videotape of like, because I thought what he was saying that we see Wanda break into the facility. Yeah, we do in the recording, I think. But is that is that the same footage? Is I, what happened in that? Know. Okay, I don't know that either. Like, I'm wondering how much is he setting up Wanda? Like, do they fake footage of her taking the body? I don't know if we saw that or not, or we just saw like the glass break. And I think we just saw her like looking at the uh, Vision's electronic corpse. Okay, that was brutal. Yeah, just was. seeing him apart like that—that that was really, really brutal. Which was necessary, again, showing her journey, her grief, you know, how bad you know, how bad it really was. And honestly, in that scene, I was not as annoyed as Hayward as I usually am, as, as a character. I feel like he wasn't as, like, or maybe I've just gotten used to his, like, suit villain, suit government villain kind of role that I don't like, and I don't think it's very nuanced. Right. Do you think it's because he just leveled with her? Like, oh, okay, so even if you're not going to resurrect him, <laughs> vibranium's really expensive and you can't have it. Yeah, We're not going to put I, it in the ground. Is I that, kinda, that what it was? I kind of did like that. Yeah, yeah I kind of did too. <laughs> He's like, all right, well, even so, you can't have him. He's not yours. And that, that was kind of a cool moment. Yes, it was. How do you feel, I guess now we're on the subject of Hayward, how do you feel about the end credit scene with the white division? With, uh, what is he? White Vision. Oh, you know, I couldn't, I didn't notice that he was white because it was all those blue lights were on the thing shining down on him. So I guess, I guess I didn't notice the color thing, but I'm really excited that they've put him back together. Well, I guess, I guess. Now they have the Mind Stone energy and now he's, I can't wait to see what his personality's like, you know? Or if at all, he's just a mindless robot man. Oh, that could be. That's kind of what the, the colorness, color, because he's not really white, he's more the absence of color, but I guess white is the absence of color. Well, I think black is the absence of color, and white sorry. is all the colors combined. White is all the colors, so he's all the colors, sorry. Um, I think from what I get of that is that he's more of just like a a nothing robot man. Like he's just a, he's a, just a sentient weapon for Hayward to use. I kind of hope they don't, don't do the whole... There's a little bit of good left inside you kind of thing. I hope. What I think might happen is that, like, <coughs> they combine Wonderworld vision with, like, that soulless vision body so that it can survive outside of the hex. Oh, I would love that. That would be great. Yeah, I think that's that's probably probably what is going to happen. I would be very satisfied with that ending. I would not be satisfied with the... Like him somehow reprogramming himself based on her love or, you know, some kind, yeah, of, that be, kind of thing. I don't, I don't think they would do that. I mean, it works, but it's done almost every time. But like, you know, maybe we've seen that too often now. might be too hard to make that work. Um, what other moments did you love? Or any moments that you didn't or would find a little annoying? I mean, there's really, the only thing I found annoying was the kind of beginning. With yeah. Agatha. 
I kind of felt like the ending was a. And this is really, really nitpicky and like didn't spoil anything for me. But the whole the, the culmination of the episode, you know, minus the mid credit scene, was you know because you truly are the Scarlet Witch. You know, it was like a big darn deal. But you know, even a casual fan who just watched the movies from back in the day, because that was kind of always her nickname, right? Like, I guess I already knew. She was the Scarlet well, Witch. Well, no, they'd never called her Scarlet Witch before because but they from couldn't. The comics, I guess, people knew. Yes. Like, every, most people knew she was the Scarlet Witch. Yes. I say even, like, non, like, somebody who's never read a comic book in their life would still be like, oh, yeah, Scarlet Witch. Yes. I, I, I think that. So that took away a little bit of the thunder, I think, from the, you are the Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And I think the reason they haven't called her Scarlet Witch before is because they didn't have the right to from Fox. Oh, man. Because I think it was similar to, like, Gotham, where, like, Jerome and Jeremiah, like, they are clearly Joker. <laughs> right. They cannot call him Joker. Right. Because it's done of the rights. Jerome. Wait, you mean the Joker? No, I, I mean Jerome, the guy who tells lots of jokes. <laughs> the, guy who tell, <laughs> the guy who dresses up like a clown and murders people. Oh, yeah, like the no, 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 no. Um... I, uh, yeah, I just think it was a thoroughly great episode. It was fantastic. Like, this is, like, kind of first episode where, like, I really felt moved emotionally. Oh, really? I felt that a couple of different times, but mostly chills. And, like, when kind of something spooky would happen or the worlds would intersect and we didn't really know what was going on. But, yeah, this one... We dive very deeply into her grief. And, oh, how about that great line... Vision. I'm not even going to try to say it, but it, you know about love. Wait, what is grief? But like love. I guess love, I, I guess I'm going to try to say it. Love persevering. Yeah. What is grief? But love persevering. That's a beautiful thought, and really a wonderful sentiment, and kind of poetic and true. You know, it's a wonderful way to look at grief, and that was kind of beautiful to see Vision's uh, empathy for Wanda and her situation. I thought that was wonderful. Yes. It really makes me want them to find a way to, for Vision to survive. Yeah, so I think from this episode, Wanda may be one of the more, one of my favorite characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She now. is for me too now, and I did not really, I think we talked about this last time, like the Wanda-Vision storyline, like in Infinity War, like at the beginning of it, you know, that was not a section of the movie that I really loved. I don't think I had very much feeling for her uh, or Vision. You know, that, I mean, Vision was cool because he was could do everything, and we picked up Thor's hammer. That was amazing. But um, in Age of Ultron, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, now now she now I really really love the character without a doubt. You know, very 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 fun and cool, and I'm excited to see what you know she does going forward. Uh, do you have any predictions for what she's going to do going forward? What do you think? How do you I think really, 10 is going to go? I really have no idea. Or episode 9. There's I mean, there's so much that has to happen. I mean, we really didn't get any of the other characters in this episode, which is kind of one of the parts I, I liked about this. It was more contained to Wanda herself and, you know, Agnes, you know, doing villain stuff in the background. It's like, really, we really don't know. Because, like, we still have what is... Uh, Vision going to do? What is uh, Kat Dennings going to do? What is Monica going to do? What is uh, Fietro? <laughs> how much, so how much uh, autonomy do you think the Vision, 
Because that was huge news that she created Vision out of her grief and magical powers. So, like, I want how much how much autonomy? Oh, okay, two questions. So, how much autonomy does he really have? And two, at the end of episode, was it eight, where we had the song about Agatha? It was all Agatha? It was Agatha all along. So, but what did she do? Like, she didn't create the world. I, I, I think I took that as, like, she created the world, not Wanda. But then we see that Wanda created everything. So, what did Agatha <laughs> oh, yeah, do? What does, what like, what does Agatha, that mean? What did Agatha do besides, like, wait She kidnapped the, the kids, but she didn't create the kids, right? Well, I think Agatha was doing manipulation previously like maybe she's responsible she's responsible for like the weird stuff like all wanda did was create the sitcom world like she's responsible for like the by the time when like herb was like putting a salt like she was manipulating manipulating vision away from wanda kind of pitting them against each other so maybe she could uh take the kids and she also created pietro Okay. I think really it was Wanda who created the world, but her but uh, Agatha who's kinda manipulating things around it to get what she wants. Okay, so I think I took that you know, it's whatever, Agatha all along, like a little further. Like I was thinking she did all of it. Um So okay, well that that makes sense. I'll buy that. I think that was gonna bother me. But that your explanation got kinda I buy that. That works for me. Yeah. So it's so what yeah, would you it's th- really interesting to, to kind of because it's hard. I don't really know what's going to happen. I almost need to next episode. It was kind of one of those shows where you perhaps like with other movies where there's like a big reveal or something, and then you go back and rewatch it and you notice all the little hints they've given you all along of you know that you kind of just glossed over. So I wonder if this is one of those situations where if we rewatch the series. It'll be like, oh, okay, I see what she did there, and I see what she did there, and I see how this all adds up to her, you know, trying to figure out how Wanda got these powers. So, perhaps, hopefully. Perhaps. That's fun when that happens. At least I think it is. Perhaps. All right, so what do we want to have happen? I like your ending. I like your idea with, you know, Vision, the two Visions coming together through Wanda's powers. Well, I'm not not sure I'd be terribly... I'm not sure if that's what I want to happen. I think oh, that's, that's what, what will gonna... happen. All right, what do you want to happen? I kind of, I'm still, although I think this is much less likely. Now, I want Vision to do the Father's Day episode of Doctor Who. Like, sacrifice, although I guess because they've really set up more Agatha as the villain, I guess that wouldn't really work as well. Well, to defeat Agatha, like, spiritual Vision may have to defeat and die in battle against machine vision or yeah, but what I was against really, Wanda. I mean, not against Wanda, but against Agatha as well. At the beginning of the season, I really was hoping that he would, you know, sacrifice himself against Wanda to get Wanda to leave this place. Right. Yeah. It seems like that's unlikely now. No. Yeah. I don't. I but that really would have been a cool series too. That would have been a cool, cool way to go with it. I, I imagine there will be like a, uh, either they're going to split this team up, some people going against Agatha, some people going against Hayward, or they're going to do like a good guys versus bad guys thing. Like all our good characters are going to find their way to each other, and then they're going to go up against Hayward. 
or Agatha. Do you think we'll 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 meet Rambo's engineer, or do you even care about that now? I really, I kind of, I don't know. We might meet Rambo. We really we have to the end credit scene. It's probably gonna have to be Doctor Strange related, right? Because I would think that's, so. Because they're supposed to tie in. Doctor Strange is supposed to be a continuation of this, or at least have uh, Wanda in it, right? I mean, it's probably like since like it's come out that like Wanda's like the Scarlet Witch who's like apparently this big mystical figure who can spontaneously create life. That's probably what catches the eye of Sorcerer Supreme Doctor Strange. Yeah, that would make sense. And the uh, whatever like I feel like there's uh, the article I was reading about like there's like time cops too or something like that like from like in Rick and Morty or maybe like interdimensional cops. Maybe they're not time cops. Yes, I think they're supposed are. to be a big deal. Like in Loki, in the TV Loki series. show, there are supposed to be like time cops. <laughs> like, Don't mess with time. time. Beating up the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mess with time. Uh, and Einstein, um, Einstein's like, I will, I will mess with time. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Uh, just a little Rick and Morty plug for one in one division podcast. Yeah. Uh, awesome, man. Is there anything else we want to say about this? Yeah, there's someone, uh, I think I just had a thought and you took it from me. The Rick and Morty references. I I mean, really, it's hard to tell. It's hard to, yeah, it's really, I'm really kind of in the dark here on what's going to happen in the next episode. I hope it's a long episode. Oh yeah. I hope it's, this was the longest episode so far. I would love the rumors about an episode 10 to be true. You yes, know. there are rumors about like a, a bonus episode. That seems like a lot to pull off, or a lot to ask of its viewers. Like, okay, like you, you know, you think you're in for like a thirty minute thing, and you, it turns into an hour. But I would love that. I'd be for that. I would definitely be for that. Yeah, me too. Uh, cool. Did you think of uh, the thought you were trying to think of? No, All I right. did not. Well, why don't we wrap it up then? And uh, if the thought comes to you, you can say it. But in the meantime, <laughs> what are you reading? Oh, I guess my thought was kind of, who of these characters kind of make it out, I guess. Not what I mean, like, I know, like, most of these people are going to have appearances in other Marvel media. But really, the question is, is Agatha defeated for good in the next episode, or is she a greater part of the Marvel Universe? Is she going to be appearing in Doctor Strange? That's that's a great question. And I wonder, I don't even know how Marvel operates. You know, I don't know. It feels like they have all this planned out so many years in advance that the answer would be already decided before the season even began. But that, you know, but they're also, it's a big corporation and their job is to make money. And it seems like Catherine Hahn has, that everybody loves Catherine Hahn and loves her in this role. So... I would, you know, I would imagine that that would be uh, something they would take into account and that she would continue to appear later on. Yeah. And from all your stuff about Marvel, from what I've heard about Marvel, just from light reading of articles, that they run a very tight ship. Right. But you got to figure, like, like, would their plans have changed, like, if this show just tanked? Like, if it was awful and everybody hated, like, or, or is it everything still, like... Honestly, I think like was there always going to be a Gardens of the Galaxy Volume Two, or is it because the first one was, which was you know came out and suspected of doing not very much, and blew up? 
you know, is that why we got a Guardians of the Galaxy too? Um, so I don't, I don't know. We're thinking. I, th- I think at this point, it's probably different than it was back then. Even though Marvel was still a big deal, right? But like now, I feel almost feel like Kevin Feige could maybe be like, yeah, I just know they're gonna like it. Right, right. Like he exactly. really doesn't have to account for the the ability that we don't like. Yeah. Well, so far so good. Um, uh, very cool. All right. Well, what are you reading these days? I'm reading. I'm I'm reading like three things at once, <laughs> like everyone should. I'm reading the Franz Kafka book that I've talked about before. I'm reading Sandman. I'm reading the Roger Ebert book. Like there's great movies volumes. Excellent. So, all right. So that's cool. And I'm still reading um, The History of Seven Killings and Lives of the Stoics. And there's kind of one other one. I just picked up one uh, from Book Club, but I'll tell you guys about that later. Another time. Uh, awesome, man. Anything else you uh, want to add? I guess that we're going to try to hit on the super long list of stuff to record a podcast on. I mean, it's really, it's gotten, <laughs> it has gotten quite large. Expect some more podcasts in the future. I think we're going to record another podcast right after this. Indeed we are. Do you want to tease that one? Tell them what it's about? Yes, it's going to be on Malcolm and Marie. And you know what you may be thinking? That movie came out like <laughs> over, like, um, like, oh, like last month. <laughs> what do you mean you're talking about it now? Better late than never. Better late <laughs> than never. It's pretty late. Exactly. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Until we meet again, that's such a hard word for me to say. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Owls on Culture podcast. Our theme music was recorded and assembled by Marine Cerzier and Antoine Blanc. The show is produced by Pinecone Turkey. To learn more about Pinecone Turkey, visit pineconeturkey.com, where you can read the latest blog posts from the Owls on Culture hosts and sign up for the Flock email. Twice a month newsletter that delivers a short film, poetry, short story, and visual art right to your inbox. It's your monthly dose of art curated by Pinecone Turkey. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving us a rating on iTunes. Thanks for listening.